Welcome to Beneath the Rim, your stop for everything NBA. The full court episode you're about to hear is a back and forth conversation between your host, Kevin Kloss, and one of the many great minds covering the league. For news and information every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we release a quick hitting layup episode first thing in the morning. Now time for the show. Welcome to Beneath the Rim, proud to be a part of the Roto Heat family of podcasts. I'm Kevin Kloss, and on today's full court episode, we're going to be chatting with Carl Berman from Net Scouts. During our conversation, you know, he has a lot of good information, talks a little bit about the recent draft class that we saw, talks about some of the international players who will be making their way to the NBA, and he also has some good information about Bull Bull. And he has some good insights to how Bol Bol felt not just out of the lottery, but out of the first round entirely. So that's coming up with our conversation with Carl Berman. But first, I want to throw a little bit of housekeeping at you. So every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we drop our layup episodes. Those are quick-hitting episodes of news and information, 15 to 20 minutes, just designed to catch you up on what's happened in the league over the last couple of days. Now, as we're in the middle of summer here... Free agency is starting to wind down. Summer League is going to be wrapping up in a few days, and we don't expect the NBA trade market to be as wild as it's been over the last couple of days. So we're going to be shifting gears a little bit on those layup episodes. We're going to shift away from news and information and over to some team previews. So we're going to go through all 30 teams in the league, and throughout those layup episodes, we'll just take a look at what players have been added to specific teams, what players have left specific teams, and we'll do some loose projections on how we think those teams will finish in the coming season. Obviously, as we transition from summer to fall, we'll need to revisit those projections and just update them a little bit as we get closer to the season. One more thing before we get to our conversation with Carl Berman, and that's if you want to connect with the show, you can do that a couple of ways. You can subscribe to the podcast in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or Spotify, really wherever you get your podcasts. You can also connect with me on Twitter at RotoHeatKevin. I try to be as active as possible on the Twitter account. There's really a great community of NBA minds going back and forth on Twitter, and you can be a part of that too. Hear what I have to say. And for the most part, if you follow me, I will follow you back. I think it's a good idea to just get as many thoughts and perspectives on what's happening in the NBA and then bring those viewpoints to the show. Speaking of the show, let's get to it. And now joining us from Net Scouts Basketball, it's Carl Berman. Carl, thanks so much for making some time for us today. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, Carl, I feel like everyone who's kind of immersed in sports at some point or another thinks they have what it takes to be a scout. So I'm curious just right off the bat sort of how you got started in scouting. Yeah, we had um, – I did a lot of basketball um, through the years, a lot of AAU stuff, but we wound up uh, being in a minor league basketball franchise. So I was a scout to, to start with, and I became general manager and um, – after that stint was over, um, my my coach at, and at my head coach at, t- at the same time, Chris Danker, and I um, decided to look at um, starting a company. Originally, it was because 
we um, wanted to help players get overseas, so we we started trying to place players overseas, and uh, then we started working with some overseas clubs as um, as scouts to try to be an impartial, um, give them an impartial view of, of NCAA players. So in your experience, are there specific things that make for a real good scout beyond just being someone who loves the game of basketball, but what makes for a good scout? Um, perseverance. You have to have the eye for, for talent. Um, some people have it and some don't. Um, you know, And nowadays there's just such a wide variety of areas to get into that, that are involved with scouting. You know, there's a video portion, analytics, uh, live scouting. You kind of have to combine all those factors and, and be good in all of them. And so I know you guys spend a, a lot of your focus on international basketball. Is there a difference between what makes someone a good scout, maybe say in the United States, scouting some high school players over here versus if you're trying to scout like the Euro League? Are there big differences in those kinds of scouting? Um, I think it's it's still, you know, you need to have an eye for talent, but at the same point you have to understand um, a lot of European players are, you know, it's a slower game. Uh, generally it's not as athletic. So um, you have to look at European players and see who, who which type of player can possibly fit into, uh, you know, to an NBA level or even a high level in college in the States. And a lot of it revolves around athleticism. So they have to be the European players that, that have the same kind of framework physically and athletically as the American players. And, and there aren't, you know, a tremendous amount of those, but, you know, the, the ones that stand out are the ones that generally will, will come over. So I do want to talk about uh, some of those international players who were selected in June's NBA draft. You know, the first guy I wanted to just ask you a little bit about, kind of get your take on, how you see him as a prospect, where you see him in terms of where he's at now, maybe what he could develop to. Um, and that's Sekou Dumboye. What do you think about the Pistons rookie? Yeah, we, we like him a lot. Um, he, he's very, very athletic. Um, he's young, so you know that, that's part of it is uh, trying to get someone a little younger that, that can develop, that has potential. Most of the time now the draft is... Um, a draft that's that's pretty much based on potential. You don't see a lot of college seniors coming out, getting drafted high. Uh, Cam Johnson was a little bit of a surprise going as high as he did this year. But but in in the main main focus is on on potential and, and, and players that are a little younger. Dumboya, um, he he started playing very young, uh, 14, 15 years old, and uh, came up through. You know, through the French system, uh, with with the uh, you know, national team there, he wound up in in Limoges, and um, got a lot of potential. Um, he can shoot threes, very athletic, six nine. Uh, Mike Grolo more, and uh, you know he's just the type of player that that kind of stands out. He can score at all three levels. Someone that generally will be good defensively because of his length and. Um, athletic ability and height. So you mentioned numerous times there that, you know, he is so young. So do you think that he's a guy who he's probably not going to be someone we see contribute as a rookie? Does he need a few years to to really get ready to play big-time minutes in the NBA? Yeah, and that's not unusual. Uh, most, um, most, most players that get drafted 
that are you know one one and done type type players now. Um, we'll need a few years to to get going. Um, just especially international players and adjusting to you know new style of play in a new new country. Um, just you know culturally, it, it takes a while. So yeah, I think he'll be you know two three years. He'll he'll start to contribute. So out of the guys who we saw internationally who were taken. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, out of the guys who we saw who were taken internationally in last month's draft, who is the guy who you think is the most NBA ready? As far as um, internationally players, yes. or, did you say? Mm-hmm. Um, probably uh, Gogo Batadze from. Uh, you know, he's he's a six ten, two hundred fifty pound player who really has. Um, developed over the last few years and he's the one that actually um has has played well overseas at a high level um you don't see a lot a lot of uh you know international players that that have his his stats and his background you know he's 6'10 6'11 250 pounds he's strong can face up or score inside um last year um average let's see average 12 and and 6 in the early which is you know the, the highest level of league outside of the NBA um you know so I think Indiana did a good job getting him where where they got him and I think he he could contribute quickly maybe you know he won't be a starter right away but he can uh be in the rotation and you know 2 3 years from now he'll he could be a starter now, I was able to watch a game he played against Israel, and, you know, he didn't start, but the thing that stood out to me was he seems like he can shoot really well, and the number of shots that he either altered or just straight-up blocked at the rim seemed seemed really high for a guy who I saw coming off the bench. Is that something that you saw when you watched him? Does he profile as someone who can stretch the floor but also can be somewhat of a rim protector? Yeah, for sure. Um, he has a really nice shot, and he can uh, he can step out. Um, this past year, he, he shot over thirty percent on threes. Uh, the year before, he shot over forty percent. So, um, and he's he's a shot blocker. He's generally among the leaders in in, in you know in block shots in in whatever league he's playing in. Last year, he led uh, the Adriatic League in in block shots. So, for sure, he's. Um, Definitely, he's intriguing because he is a rim protector. He's strong. He can rebound, and he can also uh, step out and, and do stuff outside. You know, something I think that maybe some casual basketball fans have a issue with or they struggle with is they're really not sure what's that that level of basketball for if they're looking to watch some international players. What's the highest level of basketball like in the states? I think they get a sense of. NCAA tournament, the lights are on, the lights are bright. This is the time when those elite players will shine. For an international player, what is sort of the height of their, of their competition? Is it playing in the Olympics? Is it the FIBA World Cup? What's sort of the pinnacle of international competition? Yeah, well, it would be the, 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 the FIBA World Cups, as uh, you know, all countries will have the best players playing for the most part, um, except for the ones that are injured or don't want to play. <laughs> But um, you know that's that's the height of competition, but that only happens you know every other year. So what um, generally it's the Euroleague, um, you know that's the highest league outside of the uh, NBA, and then after that, you know for the individual country leagues, 
certainly we, we think Spain is, has the top league, so they're probably the third best league in the world. And uh, there's other countries that are strong now. Um, Greece is strong, Turkey is strong, Italy, um, France, Germany. So, um, you know, so there, there's a lot of strong leagues, but probably the, the best overseas, obviously, number one is the Euro League, and, and Spain is, is next. So I'm curious, uh, for someone who's an international scout, someone who's maybe in your position, what is sort of, what's a calendar year kind of look like for you? Obviously, you might have to summarize that a little bit, but just what are some of the big events that you'll sort of make sure that you guys are following as an international scout? Right, we scout domestically also, but, you know, during the season we'll either be at NCAA games and, you know, our domestic scouts will be scouting throughout throughout the country. Um, and then our international scouts will be scouting, you know, leagues overseas. So um, it's pretty much the season. And then after the season's over, there's all the, the summer stuff. So uh, right now I'm at the NBA Summer League. Um, we had someone at the... FIBA under under nineteen World Championships in, in Crete. Um, there'll be the FIBA under eighteen Championships coming up soon. That's also in Greece. Then the FIBA under sixteen Championships that will scout. We had someone in Copenhagen recently for an under sixteen Copenhagen Invitational. So the summer there is generally filled with with international tournaments and uh, you know a few things in, in the states like the summer league. So you mentioned that you're at Summer League in Vegas right now. I'm curious if there's a guy who sort of was flying a little bit under the radar for you who's really had a strong week or so so far. I know Tyler Hero has been doing real good with Miami. I think as a lottery pick, people kind of thought he'd get a chance to shine. Anyone who was flying a little bit under the radar but has really made the most of their opportunity so far? Yeah, Anthony Simons just isn't playing great, you know, second year with Portland and uh you know obviously didn't didn't go to college and so he's young coming out and not a lot of experience but you can just see he he's just loaded with uh with skill and when he gets he gets a chance to play it might take a little more time, you know, may take him another year or so before he gets significant playing time. But I think you see him play play more this year. And uh you know obviously he's not gonna crack Lillard or, or McCollum in, in Portland, but they might try to play three of them together at some point or he'll get, you know, into the rotation somehow. Uh, yesterday he scored 35 points, shot like 13 for 18, I think, and he was six of seven on threes, made his first five. Um, so he's just a super talented kid, and I think um, people are going to see that from him pretty soon. So an international guy who I actually saw in summer league probably in the last couple of days who – I was very impressed with his shooting, and he wasn't really a guy on my radar. I was curious if you had a chance to see him or if you sort of know what he could profile as, and that's uh, Marcos Luzada Silva. I saw him play a game, I want to say maybe it was against the Bulls. This kid can shoot. Have you had a chance to to scout him? Yeah, he played in the uh, Nike Hoop Summit this year, so we were able to view him. Uh, Hoop Summit's a great event because you get to see the 10 best international players pretty much, you know, 19 and under, and uh, in a practice setup. So, you know, all, all week we're, we're watching them in practice, and then, then there's the, the game. But he impressed us. He's uh, very fluid, uh, has a good shot, um, athletic. So he's, yeah, he's someone that uh, we think has a good 
good potential. And he's played, he's another one that, that's played professionally at a pretty high level from, from a young age. So even though he's young, he's uh, fairly experienced. So he might be someone that can start playing and get some time uh, fairly soon. You know, maybe not this year, but, but he's, got, he's got a good future, I think. So you talked about the chance that you have at that tournament to see really the top 10 international guys. And I feel like every year there's maybe, when the draft rolls around, there's one or two names that kind of sneak up on us and we haven't heard a lot about. Is there a guy you can sort of see now and you say, hey, a year from now, people are going to be going crazy over this guy? Yeah, it's tough, tough to say. I think next year there'll be, there'll be some interesting uh, players coming out. Uh, France has has a few. Uh, they have Theo Maladon, who is um, a, a big point guard. He's about six five. He's long. Um, he's you know played at a high level for, for a bit. And you know from a physical standpoint, um, I think NBA guys like like point guards that that are at that you know in that physical profile where he's six five and a, a solid you know maybe one eighty one ninety. Uh, good length, um, and he, he'll be someone that goes goes high um, next year. Next year in the draft, and um, he, he's another player that, that he's been playing with, named Killian Hayes, who's another likely first round pick next year. Um, and he's another guard, more of a combo guard than a point guard, and a little stronger. He's he's six five, but probably two ten or two twenty. Um, and very, very athletic, very quick. Um, so I think he's he's another first rounder. So I think those two French kids um, will be interesting to watch uh, over this next year and see where where they wind up in the draft next year. Do you recall? And I I promise this will make sense in a second. Do you recall if you you were scouting in 2015? Yeah, sure. So the 2015 class is a class that I, I always think back on, and I always think, you know, one pick was so much different. You know, if you look at that 2015 class, picks four and five, the first pick of that, the fourth pick, is Przingis, and the fifth pick is Mario Hazonia. They were both kind of sold as scoring international players. Obviously, Porzingis more of a big, and Hazonia more of a wing. Do you recall when you scouted them, did you see a— a big difference in terms of class, what they were going to project as, because just so far, Przingis sort of has has taken off. And he has shown that potential to potentially be a star, and for Hazonia, you know, he really hasn't been able to put it together. Yeah, actually, that's one of them. You know, scouting is in rocket science. You get you get some of them right, and uh, you get some of them wrong. Um, but that's that's one grouping that that we did get right. Um, I remember I did a piece on on Porzingis for Slam Magazine. And, um, you know, talked to him on the phone, seemed like a really good kid. And, you know, from seeing him in person over the years and, you know, watching all the video, we, we just thought he was the most skilled player to come out that year. And it was kind of interesting because when he got drafted, uh, of course, all the Knicks, Knicks fans there uh, were booing the pick, <laughs> uh, saying, what, you know, who are you drafting? And, uh, yeah, we just thought he was, he was you know, might have been the best, best guy on the board that year. And Hosanya, um, we had some questions from talking to people about his level of, uh, you know, not necessarily commitment, but but his his, his drive, and um, he really hadn't developed up to that point. He, he almost took a step backward, um, where he was more, 
how he thought of the year prior to the draft and the year of the draft. He, he was, wasn't playing that much in the rotation where he was. And, uh, yeah, we, we didn't think um, that he should, should have gotten drafted that, that high. And, you know, he's carved a pretty good career for himself. But, yeah, compared, compared to Porzingis, there is, you know, quite a disparity. So was the concern with Hazonia, was that more skill set or was that more sort of just the way you guys saw him interacting with the team, with his players, with the coaches? Which of those was it more of? Yeah, a lot of it was partially skill set and partially we like to see, see players improve every year. When we look at a college player, um, if a college player is staying in school for a few years, we like to see improvement every year. We don't like to see a player go backwards. Um, when, when they do that, that, that really concerns us. Uh, a guy I always like to point to is Dylan Brooks because I, I live in, in Eugene and I cover all the Oregon games. And He's a kid that, that improved every year. He improved everything. He improved every part of his game, his body, uh, never missed a, a post-game recovery session. Um, so a guy like that who, who who's improving, you think, well, he'll continue to work really hard and continue to improve after you know, he, he comes out. Um, with a guy like Azonia, he, he fell back that, that last year quite a bit, and, and that's something that, that really concerns us, and, and you know, it's a big, a big marker for us. So now that I know you're a big Oregon guy, I feel obligated to ask sort of, what did you think of Bowl Bowl heading into the draft, and did, did you see the kind of slide that ended up occurring on draft night? Did you see that coming? Uh, no, we were, I was actually watching it with one of the Oregon assistant coaches, and we were both uh, extremely surprised, putting it mildly. Um, you know, we thought he dropped back from uh, because of the injury, and you know, big guy with a foot injury. Everybody gets a little, little scared of that. Uh, so originally, I had him, you know, in, in the top ten, and he got hurt, and I moved him back. And most most of most of the guys had him in around 20 or 21 and most thought that Boston would likely take him because you know we knew that Al Harford was leaving and that might have been a good slot for him um but I think what hurt him and it's it's kind of interesting um it's it's a lot of his personality um you get into interviews and and he's just such a quiet reserved kid that I think a lot of teams in, in, through the interview process just thought he didn't have the drive um you know, mistaking, you know, shyness or soft, you know, being soft-spoken as not being, you know, aggressive. So um, I think that hurt him just as much as as his injury. And I think Denver got him uh, unbelievably, you know, luckily, you know, where they got him. And I think uh, assuming that he stays healthy, I think he'll be, he'll be a really interesting guy in the NBA. He can do a lot of stuff that a lot of kids can't do obviously at that that height Um, it's just whether he can stay healthy or not that's interesting to hear you say because I think as he was dropping you know people jumped to all kinds of conclusions at that point was there a red flag in the interview was there something medically that's worse than we thought as far as you know the injury was just the injury there wasn't like a new report that came out that said oh it's going to be impossible for him to stay healthy or anything that would necessarily worsen the medical right no, I, I heard his medical was good. You know, he just had the injury; it's it's healed, and it's unlikely to happen again. So, uh, so yeah, I think it was more injury was part of it because even with a good medical, you have a big guy with a foot injury. People generally will get scared of that. 
Um, so that that was definitely part of it, but I think the other part was just his you know, low key personality, and you know people. And there was a kind of a the talk before saying you know in high school he never really played hard and all that, which you know might have been true in some cases in high school when you're you know seven two and can dominate like that. You don't really need to play super hard. Um, but you know at Oregon, from <clears throat> everything the coaches said and everything I saw at practice and in games, you know he did play hard. So. Um, so yeah, I think it was a bit of a, a poor call uh, from from a lot of a lot of teams. So one of the last things I did want to ask you today is I know just click and run on your website. You guys have a couple of really interesting services, I guess I'd say that you offer. I just wanted to see if maybe you could just talk about them real quick. The first one is um, you guys have something called the College Tour. Can you explain a little bit about what that is? Yeah, we we try to help colleges go overseas to um, play play games against um, local teams in the summer. You know, every every four years, a college can take an overseas trip, and so we try to help some colleges do that. We have some some connections in in the Bahamas that we've been trying to get teams down to. So, um, you know, just a, a a week where they can play three or four or five games against local competition, and then see do some tourist stuff and have a good time. And then you guys also offer um, a certification to become a certified basketball scout. And we didn't really, I guess, touch on this before, but is that important to someone who's maybe interested in pursuing, you know, the profession of becoming a scout? Is it important to be certified? Um, well, you know, it's, it's important to be doing something and to show that you've done something. Obviously, being a scout, a basketball scout is, is a profession that a lot of people want to do. Um, and you have to take a first step and you have to kind of show your commitment. So, so I don't necessarily say you have to be certified to become a scout. There's a, different, a lot of different ways to do that. You know, there's a lot of professional scouts or ex players or ex coaches. Um, so, you know, that's a way of obviously getting in, but if you're younger and you don't have a lot of experience, then, you know, this, this is a good, opportunity we're the only place where uh the the students can go out and and get some live scouting experience um at a college level and get a feel for it and take it that way so you know yeah it's a year-long program and getting through it does show some commitment and, and should help people out as they as they move forward in their career All right, great. Carl Berman from NetScouts Basketball. Hey, Carl, thanks so much for taking some time away from Summer League, talking about uh, some draft guys we've seen, some international prospects, and just talking hoops with us for a little bit. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks. Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of Beneath the Rim. We'll have our layup episodes coming out on Monday. And assuming there isn't another bombshell like a Bradley Beal being traded from Washington to, say, the Oklahoma City Thunder, we're going to start our team previews on Monday. And you can listen to that by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts or over at rotoheat.com. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Kevin Kloss. We'll talk to you on Monday. Don't miss a moment of the action. Subscribe to Beneath the Rim for automatic delivery of new episodes in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.